turn with me in your Bible. So my iPad won't open. There we go. To Psalm 116. Psalm 116. Cindy Bunch and her young son, Philip, were really in a challenging place. Her husband had just been diagnosed with a mental illness, and he was now showing extreme signs of paranoid schizophrenia. And so he'd go off to work, but then oftentimes disappear for a day. At this time, he had disappeared for several days, and so now they had gotten in their car, and they were driving around looking for him. And while they were driving, they came across a part of town that they had never seen before, a homeless district where literally thousands of people in Fort Worth, Texas, were living on the streets. That evening, they get home, and Cindy's tucking Philip into bed, and he says something interesting to her. He says, Mom, are you warm? She goes, well, yes, son, I'm I'm warm. And he says, Mom, is Dad warm tonight? Of course, they couldn't find Dad. He'd been gone for several days. And so she looks sadly and says, you know, I don't know if Dad's warm tonight. I sure hope he is. And then he said something else. He said, Mom, are all those people living on the street, are they warm tonight? And now she's pretty astonished by what her son's saying. And she goes, honey, I don't think they are warm. And he goes, you know what I want for Christmas, Mom? said, what, son? He said, I want 5,000 blankets so I can give one to each of those people. Well, she walks away so touched. She doesn't think much more of it that night. The next morning, though, her breath's taken away. When her son walks in, he's broken his piggy bank and hands her all of his meager savings, which amounted to $7. And says, Mom, would you buy those 5,000 blankets? And she said it was like God was speaking to her at that moment, like through the, the, the whisper of her son. She said she sat down at her computer and just started typing. And she typed up her family's story about her husband and his mental illness, about her and her son, how they had actually lost their home because of, of the, the husband's mental illness and, and his desire to provide blankets for the poor. And she said she's not a, a bold woman at all. She's not outgoing, but she just went stood downtown in Fort Worth and just started putting this story that she had printed out into tons of people's hands. She said she wouldn't even make eye contact. She couldn't even talk to him. She just put, put it in people's hands. And it fell in the hands of a local reporter. And the reporter was captivated by this story and asked them to speak, and they ended up speaking in it. And it showed on a, a local newspaper, and donations started pouring in. And that started their foundation called Philip's Wish. Now, years later, they estimate that they've given 50,000 blankets and sleeping bags. And then they started a food pantry in their garage. And she said, it's because I want to do something good for people every single day. The reporter asked her about her faith, and she said, you know, I wouldn't trade what happened to me for anything because God became my best friend. She explained that when she started, she was in a severe depression, but how powerfully God had met her through this experience. Well, I'm reading this yesterday, and I actually watched a little interview, and she wasn't well-spoken, but you could just sense this joy in her as she talked about giving and, and giving to people in need. And I, I look up at my iPad and I, I see the time and I, I was needing to finish my sermon, but I saw that I could still make our, 
our food distribution up here. So I got my car, and I'm like, I want what she has. So I, I drove up here, and I, I land. I'm Phil and LaShawn right there. They, they lead the ministry. Mark and Teresa uh, were there. I was with, with different ones, Bruce and, and Gussie and Tina. And, and um, man, first of all, just being with them, um, it was just it was just amazing to 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 be with the the different ones and and to have that team experience. But then just getting to put my hand on on people's shoulder and 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 seeing their hope as that and hearing their stories of where they had come from. I drove away going, man, Lord, you did it again. You, you put a joy in my heart today. I, I want to talk about keys to Christmas joy because when the angels show up, they say this is good tidings of great joy to all people. And you read these different clips of the Christmas story and you hear about joy, but what I find is so many people, even Christians, we experience more grief or, or pain or sorrow at Christmas time. So I actually want to talk about keys to us walking in joy. And one of the greatest keys is through giving. It's through giving. Psalm 116 in the message, I love what it says. This is as David, so King David, he's gotten more mature. And as a young kid out in the fields in danger, he'd experienced God taking care of them. And then he saw God pull him out when, when his father and mother had forsaken him. He saw God pull him in and, and actually anoint him. But now this is what he's saying as he's coming to his older years. He says, what can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me. You hear that heart of worship? What can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? I will lift up high the cup of salvation, a toast to God. I will pray in the name of God. I'll complete what I promised God I'd do, and I'll do it together with his people. When they arrive at the gates of death, God welcomes those who love him. Oh God, here I am, your servant, your faithful servant. Set me free for your service. I'm ready to offer the thanksgiving sacrifice and pray in the name of God. I'll complete what I promised God I'd do, and I'd do it in the company with his people in the place of worship in God's house in Jerusalem, God's city. Hallelujah. There's this interesting glimpse of maturity we see in our children as they get older at Christmas time. Um, I... When, when, when kids are little, they're always telling you what they want for Christmas, right? You're, you're, always, uh, you're always mentioning what they, what they want to receive at Christmas time. And, and you know, I, we've all had that if you've been a parent. It's, hey, make sure you get this, or hey, have you seen my Christmas list? But there's, there's something about getting older that that focus starts changing. This week, I got a phone call um, from one of my children. Anytime my kids actually call me on the phone, I am going to get it, right? I'm like, they are taking time to call me. I am getting this phone, especially my daughter who's off at college. So I'll stop anything if I see my daughter's calling me. So I answer the phone and she goes, dad, I want to talk to you about Christmas. And so I'm thinking, okay, she's going to tell me what she wants. She probably just saw something. She goes, I want to talk to you about um, what I want to get from mom for Christmas. Man, I, I was in worship land right there. I, my daughter is calling me to talk about the present she wants to get. And, and then I was like, okay, she's going to ask me for money. And, and she's like, no, I'm going to buy it. I'm like, what? The Lord must be returning soon. <laughs> this is 
a revival happening in my house. The, the, the maturity, I, that, that experience of a father of seeing my daughter just changing from what she wants to actually thinking about giving to mom touched me so deeply. You know, and, and then I thought about being touched as a father, uh, touched as a father by your children. You know, God is our heavenly father. And, and I want to touch his heart. I want to minister. Do, do you know you can bring joy to your father's heart? Uh, probably the most touching day of the year for me, of 2022, was Father's Day. And um, I, I love any gifts that my kids give to me, right? And uh, if you're a parent, you start, probably started getting gifts when their kids went off to preschool. Um, you know, some of you paid a fortune to put your kids in preschool, and then they come home with like their handprint on a paper, and you're like, it's worth it. It was totally worth it for that. You know, all they did was like, you know, and then and then you get that awesome gift at Christmas where it's like their footprint in clay. You know, you're like, oh, I'm gonna keep this forever, paperweight. Um, And you you treasure those things, but but as your kids get older, um, it's so touching. Like this Father's Day, each one of them had written me a letter, and then. They gave some gifts, and, and in that letter, they expressed what they actually saw in me and, and, and what I had done for them. And man, it touched my heart so deeply of the maturity of not just what, you know, what I want, but Dad, I want to give something back to you. And that's, that's the kind of people we, we want to be. And you know, I'm experiencing this, this joy of seeing my daughter give. I'm experiencing this, this joy and in uh, what my kids are giving and, and seeing that development. And I thought, okay, I wonder if, if this, this joy in giving can actually be scientifically proven. Like, is this not just a scripture, but has there been research done on this? And of course, I found that there had. So I want to I wanna take you into four different aspects that science has discovered an inextricable link between giving and joy. So the first one is neurologically. Neurologically. Giving is linked to the release of oxytocin that induces feelings of warmth and euphoria, Right? In laboratory studies, Paul Zak, the director of the Center for Neuroeconomics and Studies at Claremont Graduate University, actually found in a study of the brain that when people gave, our brain releases enzymes that make us feel joy. Isn't that an amazing thing that God has actually wired your mind when you give, when you give to experience joy? Here's the next one, emotionally. There's actually, emotionally, um, emotions have been tracked by scientists. A study by Harvard Business School professor, Michael Norton, and his colleagues found that giving, and not just giving, giving money to someone lifted participants' happiness. And then they noted more than spending, on, spending it on themselves, despite participants' prediction that spending on themselves would make them happier. Isn't that awesome? Can't you see them like filling out surveys as people are walking in. Okay, do you think it's going to make you more happy to spend money on you or someone else? They're like, on me. And then they, they actually track their emotions, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, it was better to give than to receive. The Bible's right. I'm sure that's what the Harvard professors told people. 
Number three, health longevity. A wide range of research has linked different forms of generosity to better health, even among the sick and the elderly. So they found that when sick people start being generous and giving, it changes their health. When elderly people start giving, it promotes longevity and life. In his book, Why Good Things Happen to Good People, I love that phrase, Stephen Post, a professor of preventative medicine at Stony Brook University, reports that giving to others has been shown to increase health benefits in people with chronic illness, including HIV and MS. A 1999 study led by Doug Oman of the University of California, Berkeley, found that elderly people who volunteered for two or more organizations were 44% less likely to die over a five-year period than non-volunteers. So if you want to keep living, usher at church. Socially, here's the fourth area. Socially, happiness expert Sonia Labermirsky, that's a hard name to say, a professor of psychology at the University of California, Riverside. I love that her title is happiness expert. Wouldn't you love to be a happiness expert? said that when we give to others, we don't only make them feel closer to us, we also feel closer to them. Being kind and generous leads you to perceive others in a more positive and uh, charitable way. So giving actually makes relationships better, makes relationships closer. Imagine that. So there's all these different ways that, that scientists and sociologists are finding that giving actually promotes Joy. So, what I want to do today is look at the first giving at Christmas time in Scripture and take some note of some ways that we can find more joy in giving. This is Matthew 2, verse 1. We're reading in the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. So we're really studying the wise men for a moment today. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw a star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the city's uh, what the prophet wrote, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell him, or tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Let me pause for a second before I finish the rest of the scripture and say, when you start following Jesus, when you make your life about seeking him, God will lace your path with joy. You will have supernatural experiences that bring more joy. And that's what the wise men experienced on their journey to give to Jesus, on their journey to worship him, on the journey was an experience that brought them joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. 
Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts, gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Last week, we talked about how these gifts were actually declarations of who Jesus was. The world just saw a little baby, a little baby, a peasant baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Honestly, that's what most of the world sees at Christmas. If they see Jesus at all, they see him in a nativity scene and they think, oh, there's sweet baby Jesus. But those who actually seek him grow to know him more and more. And that's my first point from this scripture is this. There's a mature joy in knowing someone more and more. There's a mature joy. Because what I want for you as a follower of Jesus is to have a mature joy in your life, a joy that's unshakable, a joy that's supernatural. And one of those joys come from knowing Jesus more and more. As you understand him more, you love him more. Yesterday at the, at the food distribution, I was talking to one of our college students and she had just gotten engaged, and so we were celebrating that. And then she said, hey, would you tell me about your relationship with your wife, with Stephanie? How did y'all get engaged, and what's your marriage been like? And so I'm, I'm telling her the story, and I, I love telling the story. But now, as I start talking about 22 years, all of a sudden, I got choked up. And I wasn't expecting it. I was kind of overcome with emotion, and I started saying, you know, like, it's one thing when you get engaged, and that's so exciting, but through the years, through the decades, you understand that person. And I was like, you know, sometimes people say you could marry anyone. I was like, after 22 years, there was one that could handle me. There was only one. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very emotional. And why? It's because I've realized I've gotten to know her more and more. Can I tell you, as you walk with Jesus, if you walk closely with him, you fall more in love. It's not just the day that you were, salvaged, uh, you were saved. The, the scripture says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And I pray for that. But there is joy in the journey of getting to know him more and more, of understanding. And, and so what they, these, these wise men, they had been seeking him. And so they were very different than Herod. Herod knew of a, of a baby that was coming. But they understood he would first be the king. They brought him a gift of gold. And what does that show? That's this very strange gift. You give a baby, you know, some baby food or a rattler, not a bar of gold. But they gave him gold because they understood he was to be a king. They understood Jesus as a king. And not just any king, the king of kings. Then they gave him incense, even stranger gift to give a baby unless you're a hippie. And so... They, they gave this baby incense. Why? Because incense was used in worship. It was declaring that Jesus was not just a king, but he was also a priest. He was a priest that would be an intermediary between man and woman and God. And then they gave him this last gift, which was myrrh. And actually, it would be an offensive gift, right? It was a, an ointment to embalm a dead body. And by giving that, they were declaring that Jesus was going to be a sacrifice, that he would actually die as a sacrifice for his people. A wise person grows in their understanding of Jesus. Now, secondly, though, what we see is this. There's a mature joy. There's a mature joy as you grow in gratitude for what someone has done for you. I was explaining how touched I was that my children were writing down and, and giving gratitude for what I had done for them. It, it touched my heart deeply as a father. 
I, I had the reverse experience as a son this past weekend. This weekend was my, my dad, Bob Herber's birthday. And I, I awaken uh, on, the, on that morning and I see a text from my mom saying, you've got to check out Hannah's Instagram post. Hannah is my sister. And so she's put up this picture of my dad, the beast hiking on a trail in New Mexico. And then under it, she's written a whole paragraph. And one of the things that she says in it is she goes, dad, I want to thank you for when you were teaching me to drive, I hit not one, but two cars. And she goes, you didn't lose your temper and you weren't even embarrassed of me. In fact, you made sure to tell everyone how proud of me you were as a daughter, even after I had done that. She goes, I learned that God is a patient father through that experience. She said, Dad, I learned that God is intimately involved in every detail of my life by how much you took care and made sure every one of my little needs was met. And then she said, Dad, I learned that fairy tale romances could actually happen by the way you never stop pursuing and romancing mom. She said, thank you, Dad. I've learned so much about God from you. I'm sitting at my desk, barely awake, drinking my coffee, and tears are just streaming down my eyes. I come out to share with Stephanie and Hallie. I walk out there in conversation, and they look at me, and I'm like, man, why do I have to be the most emotional person in this family? Why am I more emotional than the women in this family? <clears throat> but I was overcome with gratitude as I understand who my dad is and all that he's done for me, and I experience a joy in that relationship. Do you understand when they gave him gold, that they were declaring, Jesus is your king. And what has a king done for you? Jesus has protected you. He has brought you into his kingdom. I just, I wonder how many times we're going to see the replay of our lives and see, see how many times we should have died. You know, I know for me, my, my guardian angels are wiped out. And, and King Jesus was just protecting me, and he was providing for me. I can't tell you how many times we didn't know where, where our next bill was going to be paid for. We didn't know where we were going to live next. And just in the nick of time, Jesus would provide. Over, He's a king who provides. He's a king who protects. He's a, he's a king who, who ordains the steps of your life. Man, my life before Jesus and after Jesus, I can't even compare. Can you? The way that he's ordered and, and he's preordained a great path for me, but he's not just a king, but then he's a priest. And so he lives making intercession for me and he connected me with God, right? And, and he's let me experience the presence of God. Like I remember as a, as a young person going like, can you know God? And then, and then as you start getting connected with him, you're like, I actually feel his presence. Like no one could ever convince me that there's not a God because I have felt him. I've heard him. I've seen him move. King, priest, and sacrifice. And man, the longer I go, the more I'm like, I cannot believe, Jesus, you were perfect. And, and, and you suffered, and your, your hands were pierced, and your side was pierced, and your back was scourged. For me, like, you didn't deserve that. You didn't have to do that, but you suffered and sacrificed for me, and I'm not going to hell. Like, on my worst days... That's where I start. I'm like, it might be a bad day, but I'm not in hell. <laughs> right? I'm not, I, I'm not heading to hell. Like, have you ever thought about the, 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 the most hell a Christian will ever experience is what you experience on earth? Yeah, come on. And have you ever thought the most the, similar thing to heaven that an unbeliever experiences is what they experience on earth? How blessed are we that not only do we have his presence 
and his voice and his goodness here on earth. But then we go to a better place because of that sacrifice that he paid on the cross for us. And the more I recount that every single day of my life, it's one of the reasons I've built a little stone cross on my prayer walk every morning. And I put my hand on it and I say, thank you for the cross. And I tell you, when you practice gratitude, joy is released in you. Practice gratitude every day and enter into his joy. The last thing I saw in what the wise men do in bringing these gifts is that there is a mature joy in giving something back. The wise men actually go and they, it says they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts. They opened their treasure chest. They opened what they had. They had gone on this long journey and they bring Jesus a gift. And I'm like, that is what I want to do. That is what I want to be. I want to be a person. Mature joy is, is bringing those gifts. And, and, and man, did I feel that when I knew that my daughter was calling just to talk about the gift to give to Stephanie. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, that is why I so unapologetically preach on us being generous with our finances in this church because I know whatever has your finances has your heart. And I don't want anyone to be a slave. And I know the joy that's been released in me when we stretched past and gone, I know this doesn't make sense, but we want to do this for you, Lord. And then there's just always this crazy release of joy. Right, but doesn't he deserve it anyway? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, it's already his. I'm just a steward. So I want to graciously and hilariously shower it back on him. So I think it starts, that list starts with gold intentionally, right? Because Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. He talks more about money than any other thing in Scripture. Secondly, it's incense. What is incense? Incense is worship. Here's what I find is we can get so busy at Christmas that we miss actually worshiping Jesus, who's the reason we have the holiday, right? We get so many parties. We get so many things going on. So here's my encouragement to you. Bring intentionally, intentionally bring your worship to Jesus this Christmas. From, from as simple things as when you turn on Christmas music, like yesterday, we, we were turning on Christmas music at our food distribution, and it was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is a really fun song. But I thought, why don't we turn it to, to worship Christmas music? And it just immediately, your, your heart is going to Jesus. So do, the, do those simple things. But I also wanted to, to tell you, block out time. Block out time. And you have to actually do this purposely, because most of us will have at least a day off for Christmas. Block out a little time where it's not just festivities or it's not just a watching a football game or whatever, but where you're actually like, hey, I'm going to go on a specific walk on Christmas Day or in this time to just bring my thanksgiving and worship to Jesus. And I dare you to try that and see if you don't have an accompanied mature joy come in your heart as you do that. Lastly, they bring him myrrh. Myrrh is a sacrifice. This is, 
this one's very convicting to me because the ironic thing about Christmas, which is about Jesus, and then we try to look at others, oftentimes Christmas is the time I get most selfish. I'm like, I want my tree perfect, right? And then I expect, like, the, the meal, I'm, I'm thinking through each one of the things that I want on that meal. Like, I remember one year we didn't have cranberry sauce, and I was like, how can we have, how could we eat without cranberry sauce? I mean, like, for crying out loud. And, and I find, I find, this morning, okay, this, we, we've, we've put out our tree. This morning, I was like, Steph, do you notice that the top lights on our tree are shining, like, a little too bright? Like, the top third was shining really bright. I was like, I wonder what's going on. Like, why are they? And they were even, like, a different, they were brighter, they, seriously. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I walk out, and then I look back, and they had gone out. It was like they were given their last little flash before they were given their, their last little and then just died out, right? And I, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, the, the top third of our Christmas tree's out. Like, what, what are we going to do? Like, I, and I don't have another string of lights. It's like one that has lights embedded in it. And I'm like, I, but I don't have another string of lights. We have to get a new tree. All of a sudden, I'm like totally upset before I come to church about my top third of my Christmas tree. Oh, here's what I find. I can get the most selfish at Christmas, right? I'm, I, I'm like, I'm going to go buy a gift to bless someone. And I'm like, why are there all these people in front of me in this line? I hate people blocking my goals of blessing people. Right? <laughs> we get the most selfish during the time we're trying to bless. You know, it's just crazy. And we, we, we stopped to remember, no, this is about Jesus who gave himself as a sacrifice. And oh, Jesus, I want to sacrifice my time and I want to sacrifice my talents and I want to minister to people and I want, I want to serve you. And I, I, gosh, instead of just thinking, I, I just want everything perfect and it's my holidays and it's my time off and I want to watch a duck show and a duck drink. It's like, no, it's about laying my life down like Jesus. I can actually bless him, like the myrrh, the, the sacrifice. And when I do that, here's the crazy thing is, when I do that, I always experience more joy than when I just get everything perfect. And perfect perfect song. It would have been better if it had been worship. <laughs> All right. I know her, that's why. Or at least I knew her. Uh, <laughs> All right, back to the end of this message. Um, some, of, some of you might say, well, um, isn't, isn't giving... And expecting joy isn't that isn't that selfish? Like isn't that isn't that um, a, a wrong motive? Great question. And I actually want to say, doing things to have the joy of Jesus actually is what God created you for. And when you have the joy of the Lord, you actually are being conformed into His image. Listen to this verse. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. For joy, Jesus went to the cross. 
Or Hebrews also says this, but about the Son, so this is talking about Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of? With the oil of? You see, when you are full of God's joy, you actually are reflecting Jesus. You're actually being like Jesus, and you become contagious for the world to want what you have. So today is, is always a special day for us because we get to enter into Jesus's joy by giving. And I, I want to tell you what we do with this crazy Christmas offering because I actually think it's going to bring you joy. Um, we focus first inside of the house, what we do here in this church. So by this Christmas offering is how we can be so generous to give incredible food and resources uh, to our to our food distribution ministry. It's also how we provide for our homeless outreach. They talked about what they did this, this uh, yesterday. I was just talking to Jordan about it. She said that they provided this big banquet, put out tables, had all this food. She said people were just, uh, had tears streaming down their faces. She said it reminded me of the wedding supper of the lamb as just people of all different backgrounds were coming together at our homeless outreach. And they were saying they were, they were going and bringing their friends isn't that what Jesus would do? So beautiful. Um, another thing we do is we keep this church going. We've had a, a deficit for our budget this year, and so we make up for that in order to keep the lights on and in order to pay our awesome staff. In the city, we're giving to Bridge of Hope that has provided for countless uh, refugees, countless people experiencing homelessness. Sherry was in our last service. She's the director of that. And so it's on the other, we're on one side of City Heights, they're on the other. We're providing for the Crisis Pregnancy Center. We're giving an offering to them who are helping women who are coming in a time of need. We're giving to Roland Slade, who, who preached to us about two months ago and talked about the, the homeless bungalows that they have for veteran women and their children. So we're going to be blessing them and giving that to that as well. And then lastly, outside to the nations, as you guys know, we have many missionaries and, and at different times we like to look to those different needs. We have two Latino missionaries that have come from our church in Tijuana. Uh, one of them serving on the streets of Tijuana. Another one is serving in the, near the jungles of Peru. Neither of them have adequate transportation. So we're hoping for enough money to actually surprise them. They don't know about this, but to surprise them with awesome SUVs. So we can let them do their ministry and be able to drive their family around and meet the needs that they've been called to meet. So that's what we're doing. I couldn't be more excited about that. So how do we do it? If everyone just wants to take, and every, we have enough for everyone to take this, this red envelope, and then we have a note card. Psalm 116 says, how can I give back to God for what he's poured out on me? This is what I want everyone to, to, to do. I want to encourage everyone to write a letter to the Lord, just expressing your gratitude. Expressing your gratitude. You can even name some of the different things that God has done for you, the ways he's met you, the way he's, he's provided for you, to put into this envelope. And in this envelope also, we I think you have a giving envelope next to it. This is where you can put a financial gift. If you have something uh, physically, you can put it in here. If not, you could just write out, hey, this is what I'm giving financially 
towards the crazy Christmas offering on this card. If you're actually putting cash or a, or a check in, I want to ask you to fill this out so we can make note of that and give you a, a tax deductible write-off for that. And then we're going to sing this song. We're going to wait on the Lord and just ask Him what He's putting on your heart. What we did yesterday as a family, Steph and I just waited and spent some time with God, and then we come together and say, okay, what do we feel like God's sensing? And usually as a couple, well, let's take the higher number so we can be more generous. Uh, then we came up, our whole family was here last service, and we just came up together. But I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're here by yourself, just during worship, when you're ready, come up. There's a slot on the top of this box and put it in. If you're here with your roommates, you could come together. If you're here with your family, you could just come down together. And this will be our way of finishing the service. This will be our worshipful response, just as the people of old would bring their sacrifices into the temple. That's what we want to do to the Lord. So God, would you just speak to us right now? We just want to take a moment to wait on you, what you're calling each of us to do.